What's up, fellow Zeros? Thank you for tuning in to Zeros Talking Heroes, the podcast that's glad it's you. My name is Joe, and I'm here with two other crime scene photographers to talk to you about the movie Road to Perdition. We've got sequel. The podcast that is all so fucking hysterical. And Corey. The podcast that knows what the clutch is. Clutches. Right here's the part where we read a review. We don't have one. But we did get a five-star rating from someone. So thank you, whoever you are. If you're listening to this right now, you know who it is. Thank you. Is there a name? No. iTunes name? Just a review. It doesn't... I mean, there's a rating. It doesn't... Yeah, we only get the names when they review it. But they know they did it. Very cool. So thank you, whoever you are. And we noticed that you did it. Even the little things. The little things are the most important. Mm. Sometimes. Yeah. It really is all the small things. All the... No. No. (laughs) No time. I'm dancing, guys. (laughs) As soon as I said that, I started dancing. Can confirm, he did. Let's get into what we've been watching before we talk about Road to Perdition. And, Corey, what have you been watching? I saw Ocean's 8 with my fancy movie pass. I also saw that, so I'll be joining in. Fantastic. I thought it was... Okay to pretty good. I think it was relatively entertaining. They followed the Ocean's model pretty well. But they're just... There's a chemistry that George Clooney and Brad Pitt had throughout those movies that Kate Blanchett and Sandra Bullock... Just don't have. Don't have. So, like, that that's tough because you're so used to those two finishing each other's sentences. Sandwiches. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, it, you miss that, and you miss that in the movie. Um, I think the end game of the heist is a little wackadoo. It's kinda, I kind of saw it coming, too. I was like, they have to be going after that, too, right? Right? I'm not saying what they went after or how they got how they did it, because that would literally ruin the movie. <laughs> it's a heist movie, guys. So yeah, yeah. The other side characters weren't as entertaining either. I, I just feel like with Ocean's Eleven, Twelve, and Thirteen, you get like ten very different people that come together to do something, and in this, you don't have quite such drastic dichotomies. But I didn't hate it by any means. I have something to hop in for right now. Yeah. I think it was like the most mediocre movie I have ever seen in my life. Huh. It really is incredibly yeah. mediocre. Like you don't get a sense of camaraderie with the women at all because the Ocean's movies established that like these are guys Matt Damon's new, but everyone else has worked together before. This is only two people that have worked together and you don't really get that camaraderie from them. And that's a bunch of women who also like money who showed up and to do this job. And there's no resistance at all for the heist. There's no there's no real suspense in this movie. It just happens, and you're like, oh, isn't there supposed to be, like, an antagonist or something? Did they forget this? Huh. It's not a bad movie. It's just, I nothing it. Like, it was fine. It's a three-stone movie for me. Yeah. Again, I'll, I'm giving it the fourth stone only because I want to watch it again, because I always feel like heist movies, when you watch them the second, third, fourth time, you pick up a couple more things. But I'm not even sure if I'm going to get that. We'll find out. Yeah, like, I might watch this again, yet nothing actually be like, okay, yeah, this is definitely Three Stones, because I'm not going to watch this again. But I have to give, you know, I have to give it that shot. That's fair. What else you watch? Uh, I started watching Logan Lucky. Love that movie. It was actually uh, very good. I've gotten 40 minutes into it, and I am fucking in love with it. it, it I was on Amazon today just flipping through things. 
and it popped up, and I was like, huh, Channing Tatum and Adam Driver. I don't think I've ever heard about this movie. Read the thing, I was like, oh my god, it's a heist movie? So then I do a quick little Google. I told Google. you about that movie when I watched it. Yeah, but I don't remember all, all the things. <laughs> I can't remember everything, Joe. That's fair. I got to IMDb, and it was like 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. Is uh, it really that high? Yeah, it was fucking high. It deserves it. So I was like, fuck it. This is what I'm going to. So as soon as we get done here tonight, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go home and finish the movie. Cool. It's um, it's a lot of fun. It really is. They're, they're really cool characters. It's the movie that gives me hope for Channing Tatum's Gambit. Yeah. Because he can fair. pull off the West Virginia accent, which is a... Oh, that's right. That's how we talked about accident. this. Yes. Uh, accident. Accent. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think he can do Cajun, probably. And then... Do something close. The last time we talked about this, I mentioned his accent in Kingsman, and if you just kind of them mm-hmm. together, then you kind of get a good Creole accent. Yes, sir. Yeah. So, if you haven't seen the sequel, definitely go home and watch it. It's on Prime. It's, it's on Prime, it so it's it's worth, it's worth the watch. They put it on Prime right after I bought it. Oh, really? Man. Fucking episode. Fuck. <laughs> At least I should have, like, a rule where they refund you if you've bought a movie, and then it goes up on Prime. Eh. I'm glad I own it. That's fair. That's good. Wait, do you want a physical copy? No, a digital. Okay. Does it? That's it for me. Sequel, what did you watch? Watched two movies this week. I watched Ocean's Eleven. Yes. Which is a better Ocean's movie? Yeah, it's probably the best Ocean's movie, I'd say. I do like 13 a lot. 12, not so much, and I haven't seen 8 yet, but I am going to see it. It's worth... I mean, it's not going to hurt you to go watch it. It's worth the movie pass use. Yeah. Watching it this time around, there's one line I didn't pick up on at the... The first few times I saw it is when George Clooney is talking to Topher Grace, who's playing Topher Grace. Uh-huh. I forgot he was in that movie. Yeah. And he says, so is it hard making the transition from uh, TV to film? And Topher Grace goes, not for me. It's cool because George Clooney made that transition from TV to film. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's pretty funny. The actors are kind of making fun of themselves in that scene. Oh, yeah. And, and again, it, you, you get this hysterical play throughout that entire moment, especially as that scene ends, because... You have Brad Pitt walking out in front of Topher Grace. Nobody even looks at Brad Pitt, but they, all these women, like... Yeah, all the women like, of paparazzi go after Topher Grace, and yeah. George Clooney and Brad Pitt are walking. I've just walked out the door. <laughs> it's Eric Foreman. Yeah, it's so funny to, like, do that. And honestly, I, I, to this day, don't know what they're referencing there. What movie outside of Ocean's Eleven was he in prior to that? Topher Grace? Topher Grace. Well, this is around the time where he's leaving... Um, that 70s show. That 70s well, show movies? to do film. Well, he, Spider-Man 3. He was in Spider-Man oh, Spider-Man 3. 3. He was in... Predators. Predators. Take Me Home Tonight. He was in... Oh, Take Me Home Tonight. That's, that's one of the ones. He was supposed to be... Date with Tad Hamilton. Yeah, he was supposed to be like the next big TV yeah. to film. He wasn't. He wasn't. It, it didn't turn out that way, no. Spider-Man fucked him pretty bad. Sure did. But as you're saying with like Ocean's 8, it was a lack that camaraderie between Brad Pitt and George Clooney. They had so much chemistry in that movie. It, what, me and my fiance do it all the time where like out of nowhere I'll say something and she'll like give like a pause like not really like giving me the affirmative. I'm like you think we need one more. Yeah. You and think we need one more. Yeah, Brad okay, Pitt's we'll not even more. like acknowledging George Clooney just has his head down and like they're still communicating yeah. somehow, you know? And that is really yeah. good and everyone every member of that cast plays like a pivotal role and they're all really good in it. Exactly. Let's wonder why Ben Affleck was in that movie. Casey Affleck's in it. You got every A-lister and like I like that and choice. Ben Affleck are like friends and like I don't know. I, it just I, feels like he should be somewhere. Yeah, but you know what? Casey Affleck in that in that role that he plays, 
You couldn't put Ben in that role. No. So I think Casey Affleck is the right choice there. Yeah, because his competing brother with what's his names? The he, guy from Scott Con. That's right. Yes. Yeah. He's in Hawaii Five Zero. Yep. That's what I was going to say. Um. The one thing I will say against Ocean's 13, and I truly enjoy Ocean's 13 almost as much, if not more, than Ocean's 11, is that that chemistry you get in Ocean's 11 seems a little forced in 13. So there's that moment in 13 when they're walking down, and Brad Pitt's like, but, you know, relationships can be, and George Clooney's like, yep, but they're also, that's right. Yeah. And it's like, in Ocean's 11, that wouldn't have been said. That would have just happened. He was like, but relationships are, and then George would have nodded his head, and, you know, it, there's just so much silent chemistry in Eleven that really makes that movie come together. Absolutely. And again, it's something that's missing in, in Eight. Like, there's not that moment when Sandra Bullock looks at Kate Blanchett, and Kate Blanchett's just like, and then goes and does whatever it is. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> and there's next to no fun names for, like, moves. Like, in Ocean's Eleven, they, like, they talk about, like, they need a Jethro, a Leon's face. Jim Brown, yeah, yeah. Jim Brown. There's nothing. There's none of that. And I, the best part about those heist movies are when they start doing that. Yeah, I even like in 13 where he puts on the Gilroy. Yeah, the Gilroy. (laughs) Which is nothing. I looked it up. It's a a pheromone patch, but they made it, you you can buy the Gilroy, but it's like, yeah, this doesn't really exist, it's a product that we made because of Ocean's 13, and it's like a joke, because the producer's last name was Gilroy. But, anyway. But all the the other ones, but everything else has some sort of ground in in reality. Yeah. Yeah, the other movie I watched was Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. I've seen that movie one time, it's fine. I don't think I've seen it since it came out. I saw it in theaters between... I like, had a four-hour break in college, so I used to go to the movies a lot, and that was, that was a movie. Wait, who's fine. in? Who's in that? It's Michael Sarah uh, and Kat Dennings. Okay, and what is what's what are some of the songs on the playlist? Do you remember? They're all really no, indie shit. They are real indie shit. The whole freaking movie, they're going around looking for this band called Where's Fluffy. Yes, okay. Where's Fluffy. That's right. Okay, that's kind of what it centers around. It's a love story. There's a secret show mixed in that. And then someone's parent or uncle or something is a record producer and ended up in a movie Cat studio. Cat parent in a music studio. Recording studio, right. rather. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's her first orgasm. Yes, and it's on tape. Weird. It's a weird movie. It, it's, yeah. And, like, I don't know. Like, I still don't like Michael Sarah. <laughs> I almost never liked Michael Sarah. <laughs> this is the end. He was awesome. That's, that's probably him in real life, I yeah. hope. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's a movie. It's kind of one note. Not a lot of rewatchability. This is only the second time I saw it. I'll probably never see it again. They added it to Netflix or Prime, right? One of Netflix. It was recommended. Makes sense. That's Considering the shit you've been watching on Netflix because of the podcast, yeah. I imagine it's going to pop up as recommended. Absolutely. Joe, what have you been watching? I watched the aforementioned Ocean's 8, so I'll skip that. I watched The Karate Kid, because I haven't seen that in God knows how long. The original. Yes. I love that movie. Who's the bad guy? Billy Zabka. No, he's not. <laughs> I've heard the theories, and watching it, I was paying attention and looking for the signs this time. He's absolutely the bad guy. He you shoves him out. first on the beach. Him well, and his the girl Daniel already belong, been broken up Does Daniel up belong in that argument? No. He's butting in. He's, no he's trying business. to be helpful to the girl that's been checking him out. He's trying to play the alpha male in that scenario. I'm not saying he's a good guy, 
But I'm not saying that that's Teenage a Daniel LaRusso, in that moment... I'm playing devil's advocate. Of course, Billy Zafka's the bad guy. But I like the... I like the... Uh, I understand. I understand the argument. And that, like, I watched the movie with that argument in mind, trying to find reasons to support it, and I just can't. <laughs> I got a warning. You got the... You got the championship. <laughs> right. Yeah, I got a warning. <laughs> I, I forgot the line. I, mean, I think it's, you got the title, but yeah. At the end, he's not such a bad kid, because he's like, good match. You're all right, LaRusso. <laughs> He just got kicked in the face. <laughs> there should be a le- you find that. out that's illegal in the in the later movies. Well, he also kicked no, somebody else in the f- or Daniel got kicked in the face in one of the matches. That was fine. They got a point for that. I think well, they, he punches Zaka in the face in that match. Is that, he? Yeah, when they're on the ground, he like backhands him. That's when he gets a bloody nose. Yeah, and that's when Crease goes sweep the leg. You have a problem with that? I want him out of commission. <laughs> so you've also seen Rocky in the last couple months. Yes. Same, pretty much same story, right? Very, very similar. Yes and no. Same director. Is and it? same um, composer for the score, Bill Conti. Sure. Yep, it's, it's the same, it's the Rocky formula. Miyagi, Mick, LaRusso. Miyagi, oh, I forgot about what happened to his family. That scene was hard. And the last thing I watched was not a movie, but a TV show. I started watching season two of Sneaky Pete. Oh, is it good? It's not as good as season one. Fuck. Because my favorite part of that show was, like, the, the con man tricks. That's the most interesting thing about that to me. And there's less of it in season two. It's more Ooh. like family stuff. Or at least, you know, the fake family stuff. But Again, that con man stuff. Getting the getting those words in. It's like the Oceans movie. Yeah. All those fancy gambits that they pull. Like, yeah. that's what I was watching And they've watching all got cool for. names. Like, I, I love that stuff. It's very cool. Sneaky Pete, I'm going to finish it probably by the time we record next week, but it's alright so far. And ladies and gentlemen, that is what we've been watching. Let's get on to our movie facts for Road to Perdition. It's called Road to Perdition. It's made in 2002, or it came out in 2002. It's rated R, and it's one hour, 57 minutes long. This director's name is Sam Mendez, who also directed American Beauty, Jarhead, Revolutionary Road, Away We Go, Skyfall, and Spectre. I've seen three of those. I'm going with more than three for me. One, two, three, five of the six. I've seen American Beauty, Jarhead, and Away We Go. I've seen American Beauty, Jarhead, Skyfall, Inspector, so four. Away We Go is the one I have not seen. That's the drunk and it's the Revolutionary Road. No, Away We Go I haven't seen. But you saw Revolutionary Road? Yeah. Okay. How was that? I don't remember much about it, so it couldn't have been that good. That's Kate and Leo, right? Isn't that? No? Is that the thing yes. that's I have no idea. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep, 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 yep. The movie stars Tom Hanks, Tyler Hoechlin, Paul Newman, Jude Law, Daniel Craig, Stanley Tucci, Jennifer Jason Leigh, Liam Aiken, and Dylan Baker. It was budgeted at $80 million. That's really high. Like, way higher than I was too. expecting for this. It ended up grossing $181 million, $104 million of that was domestic. The scores for the movie, Rotten Tomatoes, has it at 81%. Certified fresh. The audience on Rotten Tomatoes has it at an 86%. IMDb, 7.7 out of 10. Metacritic, 72. User score, 9.1. Jesus. That's weird. And the only other fact I have for you is that it was indeed based on a graphic novel of the same name called Road to Perdition. I had the author, but no longer. Okay. Those are the movie facts for Road to Perdition. The author's name is what? Oh, fuck 
Max something or another. Max Allen Collins. Max Allen Collins. Let's do our general spoiler-free thoughts of the movie sequel. So this is the second time I saw this movie. It's a great cast. I saw it in theaters with my grandparents. It seems like an old-person movie to me. I don't know. I feel like a lot of Tom Hanks roles, I feel like... Um, it was set in the 30s. Will win the AARP award for, like, movie of the year. Like, uh, <laughs> Sully and, like, Bridge of Spies. I feel like that's just, like... Meant for like that target audience. Not to say the movies aren't like that good. I just think it pertains to a certain uh, demographic. It's really nothing wrong with this. It's it's solid. Um, it's one of those movies where the director I didn't think I had to do much. He had a superstar cast, and he said, "Just go act. I'll point the camera, and then here just we go." Just go nuts. Here's <laughs> the script. Pretty much. Here's uh, the dailies. The, the plot's pretty basic. It's compelling, and I'll go out on a limb and say this is probably Tom Cruise's darkest role. Yeah, Tom Hanks. Tom, sorry, Tom Hanks. I would say this is Tom Hanks' uh, darkest role, right? I could. I was trying to, in my head, like playing through all. Doesn't of he play the villain in that movie, The Circle, that came out recently with Emma Watson? Never seen I've it. I've never seen it either. It got I heard like, it was bad. Yeah, it got yeah. like a seven on Rotten Tomatoes. Well, I think he's like evil in that movie. Maybe I think, but that movie is not going to be good, so I don't think it should be. In it's the, fair. It's probably the, the lowest scored movie in his filmography. Which is funny, because last week you were talking about how he's like... I, yeah, I was going to say, I think we had this conversation. The, the, all he's like, Ron Tomatoes fresh. He's got, well, based on the, the volume of work and how oh, many, yeah. like, certified freshes he has, he's got to be considered the, the greatest actor of the modern era, I would, I would uh, based on Rotten Tomatoes alone. But yeah, I, I enjoyed this one. Kurt, what do you think? When I was younger and saw it, I thought this movie was beautiful and brilliant. Watching it this time, it, it lost a bit of its luster for me. I think it's a very good movie. I think it's a sound movie. I think that all of the performances, like Sleepwell Center, stellar. Not least of which are the child actors, which is one of the things that we always have issues with most of the time. I don't think the kid had to do very much, but with what he did need to do, he managed to do it well. And I think that this movie has... It is helped by its score, I think that the score in this movie is fantastic, and that helps get you where you need to be mentally for whatever the scene is, is needs from you. So, overall, I think it's a good movie. I think it could have been better, but there's literally not much bad I can say about this movie. This is my first time watching it. Unlike you guys, I've never seen it before. I think it's a perfectly fine movie. Like I, Like you guys said, I can't find any glaring flaws with this movie. It's really boring for, like, the first half hour until someone gets murdered. Like, the lead-up to that, nothing. Like, it's... They could have cut out the first 20 minutes of this movie. Still fine with it. It didn't even build anything, really. With the Like, they tried to build a relationship between certain characters or why they feel the way they do, but... Yeah, I, I, they do a good job with that. It's just not... Yeah, it's just... It's not that compelling. I could have picked that up. Right, I mean, other than that, it's it's well acted. I didn't realize that, because I was watching Logan Lucky with Daniel Craig doing the yep. the southern accent, and I was unsure about that, and I didn't realize that in 2002, he'd already been doing yeah, stuff I, like this. Yeah, I forgot he was in it. Yeah. I had no idea he was in it until... The two actors I forgot that were in it were uh, Daniel Craig and Stanley, Stanley Tucci. I could yeah. not think of Stanley Tucci's name the entire time, and I was like, I know this guy, but I don't know from where. Pam Pam looked at me while we were watching it, and she was like, is that Daniel Craig? I was like, yep, yep, that's James Bond. 
in the flesh. His name is Joe Bang. You bet it is. <laughs> and those are our general thoughts for Road to Perdition. From here on out, we're going to be spoiling the movie, so if you haven't seen it yet, it's 16 years old, but get on it if you want to see it without spoilers. Because we're going to be spoiling it starting right now. So I'm going to pull a page out of uh, our fallen comrade Matt Perotti's playbook. I'll talk about the graphic novel. No. Oh. Uh, uh, and I was thinking about doing this during my. Are you gonna tell us who can get it? Because there's only like one woman in the movie. <laughs> nope. Nope. There's she's two. dead. So uh, I'm actually gonna go with. Uh, there was a, a a while there. He was doing a bit where his op- his general thoughts was. Like, You're gonna do Wikipedia? No, not the Wikipedia. I am going to give you the definition for perdition. I was going to do that too. Go for it. Uh, in Christian theology, a state of eternal punishment and damnation into which a sinful and unpenitent person passes after death. I think that knowing that, like, what perdition is really helps with the overarching theme of this movie. But it's a town with a beach house. And that's what's beautiful about it, right? So they do this thing where it's like, your aunt, she lives in perdition. That's where we gotta go. So, in a very fundamental, literal sense, it's a travel. They're traveling down the road to get to perdition, safety. But in a philosophical sense, they are, you know, t- telling you what Tom Cruise is going through. Tom, Hanks. Tom, fuck <laughs> my life. I was just thinking, like, it's gonna happen all day. It is, it is. Tom Hanks is going through throughout the course of this movie, right? It, throughout the course of his life, really. Yeah, right? essentially. Ever since he's taken up this life, ever since he decided that this is how he was going to make a living and how he was going to survive. And, and we learned that happened early on, right? It's been like forever because he loves Mr. Rooney. Right. Mr. Rooney took him in. and What's funny is I, I, didn't, had nothing. I didn't put this on my What Have I Been Watchings because I talked about it like two weeks ago, but I watched The Departed again this week too because I just needed something like on the background while I was folding clothes and putting it away. It's essentially the same thing that Matt Damon has with... Jack, Jack Nicholson's yeah. character in The Departed. It's not that far off. No, no it's, it's relatively similar, where as a young kid, he took me in, he protected me, he gave me a leg up in this world, and now I owe him. See, I, I made the parallel... a step further. Of I course. Made, I made the parallel to The Godfather, because yeah. Vito adopts Tom Hagen off the street, right? And the, there's a little bit of jealousy between the brothers in those movies, between Michael, Sonny, Fredo, obviously, and Tom. Tom Hagen even says, I'm as much of his son as you are Mike, the two Sonny in the first movie. Yeah. Right? So you got a little jealousy going on between brothers. That's a major theme of this movie. Because it, it's essentially him and Daniel Craig. And it's also between... Um, the, Mike, two, the two actual brothers. Yeah, Michael Jr. and uh, Peter. Mm-hmm. But Michael Jr. wins pretty... pretty early on. Right, but he kind of blames himself. Oh yeah, no, he does for the... Yeah. Decent chunk of the movie. Well into the second act, I feel like. I mean... His dad yells at him, it's not your fault. uh, That scene should have been so much better. Yeah, they... You know, like, that's that moment, that's that turning point moment where father and son, like, need to, like, yell at each other for a minute, but they're gonna, like, hug it out and get over it and then be the team, and there's just something... I feel like, again, that spark wasn't there. I get what they were going for. I just think it it missed. It's a little hollow. 
A little bit. Right, and I feel Hanks is, you know, doing his typical acting his ass off, and the kid's just not up to snuff. It's No, the kid's ne- Okay, that's the thing, though. No child actor is ever really going to be up to snuff with Tom Hanks. Maybe if you found, like, kid Tom Hanks. Yeah, like, you're not going to find that sentiment person. Sent him into the future to yeah, act really. with his adult self. Colin Hanks? He's an actor. <laughs> Orange County. That's right. I don't know what else he's been in. Probably just Orange County. He's in, like, some TV show at some point. He's not yeah. the best. Probably not. All right, see you later. <laughs> yeah, but like with the family dynamic, like Michael feels that his father likes his brother more than he does, and you learn that it's because I he or, sees so much of himself. And he, and what and what is here. what is any like good guy who has to be a mob hitman hate about hate himself? himself exactly. So and he loves his son, but he. Sees so much of himself in it that he... So he's, like, pushing him away so he can be like, no, you need to go to school, don't be like your old man. Yeah, and it, and it seems Learn like... Learn to hate me and you'll be a better person for it. You can infer that Peter takes after his mother and he obviously loves his wife, therefore he is outwardly affectionate more towards Peter than he is towards Michael. Yeah. Which ultimately leads to the... What, ju- what honestly actually jumpstarts this movie... Mike Jr. getting in the back seat and hiding under the seat. Which turns into, I want to know what my dad does. Yeah. I'm sick of this question, I want to know what he does. Which is basically the beginning of the actual movie. Correct. Right. Everything else is just kind of boring before then. So you learn, you learn about the, the rivalry between Tom Hanks and... Um, Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig. You learn of... Uh, was Connor. Connor, that's Connor it. Connor Rooney. I think Paul Newman's probably at his best in those first, like... 20 minutes or so. He is good. I'm a big Paul Newman fan, so... I'm trying to think of too many other things I've seen him in. He's one of those guys where I know I've seen him in things and I couldn't put my finger on what they were. Alright, Color Money, Hustler, Sting, Cool Hand Luke. Yeah, that's the big one. Cars, Cars 2. Is he the mayor? Doc Hudson. Which is the mayor of the town, He's not, he's a doctor, he's not the mayor. Oh, he's the doc? I don't know if they have a mayor. Please tell me he's like an ambulance. No, he's uh, the Hudson Hornet. So he was. Uh, he was. The, yeah, he yeah. Was, he, yeah. I. I always just associate. I've never seen cars. You're not them as much. That's what I hear. I like cars. I don't like cars too. You like all Pixar movies. I do not. Cars two is terrible. Okay, then. Like you like finding, all but one. I don't like Finding Dory. You like all but two. All but a couple of the sequels. Got it. <laughs> Irony. They're good movies, guys. <laughs> I don't know that. <laughs> See Ratatouille. I've, I own it. Pat Oswalt, baby. Have you watched it? Twice. Okay, good. That's good. So, Road to Perdition, right? <laughs> Road to Perdition is a good movie. I think that one of... And one of the things that I have a bit of a problem with... Um, happens right at the beginning. Or gets sparked at the beginning. And by the end, the problem actually presents itself again. And I hate it. So... The guy whose brother gets whacked and he's got having to wait for it almost says something to the boss. Right. So then they go in the car to have a chat. And he says, essentially, I know that you're stealing from your dad. And that's why Daniel Craig shoots him. There's like a really weird time difference between that. Like they get him in the car, they take him away, and then they come back. It's the next night, right? Yeah, like, it's like they put him in that building 
under like house arrest for like a day. And I, it was, I just kind of assumed room. it was it was his building. Like, I think where it's, he was I working. think it is his building. They sent him home. Yeah, and then they just met him at oh, where he I works. Thought they sent like an escort. I don't know. It was right. Weird. So we can infer that the they had him awake for this guy. Connor had him killed. Yes. and framed for whatever money from his father, which sure. is ironic considering what we learn later. And that's what my one of my issues with this movie is like. Connor never apparently never needed to hide that he was embezzling money. That his dad was never going to kill him anyways, never going to take care of it anyways. I think it's. I don't think he knows that. I think it's one of those things where he thinks he's smarter than he actually is. Right. Like his okay. dad figured it out, but it's his son, so he's not going to kill him. But, but that's, any other, if this is any other guy, of course, Connor Rudy's dead. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I I get that. But again, like, so Connor kills. An innocent woman and fucking child. Yep. He kills like he kills the the wife, the wife and the, and the youngest son. Basically, his dad's other son. Yes. Well, that's how jealousy is of Tom Hanks. I, I get it. Right. I, again, and I get that part because of it. It's also fucking hysterical. But but that's like I I hate the fact that we get to this moment where Tom Hanks thinks that he needs to find the smoking gun, the the so-called smoking gun, like, this is going to be what gets me in a room alone with him. This is going to be what gets them off my back and gets me the revenge I want, and... Or at the very least, it, it'll get me where I need... It'll put me in the right scenario. And... Well, what is what is Connor's dad's name? John? Is it Mr. Rooney? Mr. Rooney. We'll call him Mr. Rooney for now? Paul Newman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he, he gets Paul Newman in a room and says... This is he's been embezzling from me the whole time. You should be killing him. I shouldn't even have to do this, but I will because I want to. And then he's like, "I'm still not going to give you up, my son. I'm still not going to kill my son." Well, that happens pretty far into the movie. It is John. Oh, sorry. Yeah, it does. But again, like you get this. This is the issue, right? You can't kill Connor Rooney. You find a reason that he should be allowed to kill Connor Rooney. And Connor Rooney was never going to get in trouble for what he was doing anyways. So now this wife and kid died for no particular fucking reason because... Well, he died because of jealousy. That's why they died. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's like an envy and pride thing. I just fuck. I hate it. Because, not, it, again, if, if it was actually stakes involved, like, if Connor had actual stakes involved, like, he actually thought his dad was going to kill him, or I guess he probably did think that, but... If his dad actually had turned against him, like, son of a bitch, I can't say that it's okay, but I get what you need to do, and, like, turned around and walked away, I think that this problem goes away. But he doesn't. He's like, I protect my son forever. Yeah, well, you sent a fucking hitman after your other one, so what the fuck does that mean? Even though he knows that as soon as he dies, his son is dead anyway. I guess that's also... Which is him signing his death warrant. That's that's the best part about that scene, is he says that so you know that the next step is he he knows he's going to die. Because his best hitman is coming after him now. At least I think that's how that scene read to me. It's also a tale like blood is thicker than water. Like he loves Michael Sullivan, but like Michael Sullivan's not his actual son, and he's like if if Mike was um I'm gonna call him Mike now. <laughs> if, he, if he was uh, he does if, if he was embezzling money. Do you think Paul Newman wants to slide? Do you think he gets the Connor treatment? No. No, I think he's dead. Yeah, I think he's dead. Right? It's Probably. just because it's his son, his name, his blood. He's going to take out for his son. Which is really funny. Like, not funny, but, like, 
he even knows that as soon as he kicks it, it's not like he's going to pass the legacy on to Connor because Connor's a fucking moron. Right. And he's going to be executed because everyone, apparently everyone fucking hates him. Yes. Everyone hates him and everyone knows that he's been embezzling money even though he thinks he's so slick about it. Which, again, had he just been a... If he had half a fucking brain, he wouldn't be embezzling money from the company he should theoretically be running after his fucking dad dies. Like, what... What's the point of this? He you're stealing money from your own company at this point. Doesn't like his father. That's just, that's just pretty much it. It's like I'll show you. This is yeah. what I'm going to do. You're you're treating this guy who's he's essentially not, stealing yeah. from himself in the future. Though. Yeah, exactly. Like, does he, I feel like Connor Rooney doesn't want for anything? Doesn't appear so. in the moment. No, I mean like if he needs a hundred dollars to go to a fucking strip club, he's going to get a hundred dollars to go to the yeah. strip club. In 1931, that's like a. A-list strip club. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's, like, that's like a month at the strip club. Yeah. That's an actual escort for a week. So this movie has two, realistically, two big villains in it. We have... Jude Law. Jude Law. And we have Daniel Craig. So it all starts because of Daniel Craig. And Jude Law finishes it. I think his character is equal parts really interesting and really fucking dumb. I think it's mostly dumb. I think that they have the bones of something that can be really cool, and they just don't execute it. His odd style. He, like, shows up at the diner and basically does a scene out of The Punisher. Yeah. I mean, that came out after this, but it's just like... He basically announces exactly what he's going to do. He's like, I photograph the dead. I shoot the dead, is his actual terms. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that's a scene out of the graphic novel. I don't know that for certain, but I, I imagine it has to be. I bet money. That yeah, I'm good. not familiar with the graphic novel at all. I'm gonna not that I think this movie is bad, but I'm gonna hope. And I've heard that the graphic novel is like more in depth. Like I feel like this one straight. This movie strays a little bit from the actual story. Probably. But, I don't know. I, I like the interaction between the two of them, though. I feel it's it's a well acted scene. Like you're seeing the sick but controlled nature of Jude Law, and you're seeing Tom Hanks. You're seeing Tom Hanks' character act, yeah. right? Because he's, like, being sociable and having a conversation with a, with, a, with a guy where normally he's, like, this dark, brooding, stone-faced mm-hmm. character. So it, it is sort of, like, out of sorts for his character. Plus, I figure if there's no cop in that diner, Jude Law's gonna, like, I don't know, kill Tom Hanks in some way. Well, I mean, I think the one thing you get out of that scene is Tom Hanks, for the first time in the entire movie, feel like he's not in control and be nervous because he starts sweating. They make it. They make that sweat bead down the side of his face, super fucking apparent. Like they, like you cannot miss him starting to sweat in that scene. Um, but then he immediately gains the upper hand again. Yes, because he catches on. He's like, I need to go to the bathroom. See, I thought what was going to happen was Jude Law was going to try to follow him into the bathroom and kill him there. There's yeah. a cop sitting right there. I, I no, I understand yeah. that. But well, that was fuck? that was my my initial instinct of the scene. And again, it, it's, it seems all of the tension they build because the cop's there and he needs to sneak away and he can't just do what he wants to do because there's a cop there. Within 30 seconds, it doesn't fucking matter because he comes outside, shoots at the car. The cop comes out and says, what the hell are you doing? And he shoots the cop anyways. So why didn't he just pop, pop, pop the cop, walk away, and nobody nobody's less the wiser? You mean shoot up the entire diner? You mean the additional... Two people? Body count of two. Well, you got a, you got two people sitting at the counter. You got the waitress, and I'm assuming there's a cook. So I mean, 
Yeah, but he goes outside. And anybody who's in the diner just watches this guy shoot a cop, anyways. Well, that's that's after he leaves. He's enraged that there's a knife or fork in his tire yeah, he too. Just, that he lost. Because he's definitely one of those those serial killers that thinks he's smarter than everyone around him. Yes, and it's also it does. again like why doesn't Thanos use the reality stone more? You got to continue the story. Yeah, so. you can't. You can't. If it would make perfect sense, then the movie would be a lot shorter. It's, right. It's classic evil arrogance. Yeah. And I and I just I think I saw it coming a little more this time around. Obviously, I knew how it ended. I totally saw that comment at the end. I hate, and I hate it. As soon as he shows up at the house, I'm like, what's going inside and getting shot? Yeah. And I just, it's one of those things where I was like, fuck, you did what you needed to do. It's all over. But you haven't, you haven't settled up with Jude Law yet. You know that a guy like that, and again, at that point, that dude is not doing it to get paid because his payday is over. That is personal because you bitched up his face. Yeah. Yeah. You maimed him, (laughs) essentially, right? He looked pretty cool, all scarred up. Mm. I, I like, I like that. It that. looked it like was, he still had the piece of really glass in weird. his face. There was like a million little stitches, like disconnected. I was very confused. Yeah. Well, it was like the glass lamp shattered in his face. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I know that. It was just he looks like a horror movie villain at that point. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> like what they were pinhead. going for. I th- and I think partially that's what they were going for because at this point he can't. They t- they've taken away his outward. You know, he did that character does a good job at outwardly portraying himself as a normal person who happens to be a freak who kills people and then takes their pictures. Did you have a weird haircut to anyone in this movie? Oh, like, I feel like so in certain scenes it looks like he was balding. Yeah, it looked like he was balding in certain... I agree. I saw that too and it was weird. Like, I expected to see like this clean-cut, like good-looking dude from Jude Law and it was just like... I don't know if it's the angles they shot him from or just the way it they parted like his hair. It looked like certain scenes yeah. they just shaved this middle part of his head. Like, there were a little stubble there and everything. It was weird. Um, Didn't I see that one coming? Yeah. But the point is, now that he has a glass lamp permanently embedded in his face, his outward appearance matches what's inside. So that's... Ugly. So that's part of it, but... I do love that last scene, though. With the struggle. Like, you know... Michael wants to pull that trigger so bad. Yeah. And you see Tom Hanks, like, shaking his head, like, no, don't do it. Like... I, th- I think he's nodding towards him. No. That's what... It, this. There are a few moments in this movie that really make me love some of the choices they made, and this is one of them. Because sometimes I watch it and I think he's nodding like, you need yeah. to pull the trigger. And sometimes I look at it like, he's shaking his head, no, please don't. You don't want to be like me. I know that he does Like I know that his whole thing is he doesn't want Michael Jr. to be like him. Right. Like, I understand... That that's the last thing that he wants. But the last thing he, but also the last thing he wants to see is him give him the gun. Yeah. For him to turn around him because he will. Right. Jude Law will pop that kid in the face with actually him twice. Yeah, you're right. Like, he's on the list, man. He broke yeah. down twelve, and he made that little face with the X's in the eyes. Yeah. Like he's gonna kill this kid. That's part of it. Mm-hmm. Even though John Rooney didn't want him to. But yeah, actually, yeah. So he's not nodding. He's shaking his head. No. My interpretation of the shaking his head no was that don't give him the gun. Yeah. I mine is no don't pull the trigger. Exactly. That's that's the, that is essentially what he wants, but my interpretation in the moment of the mm-hmm. movie, I was like he's shaking his head no don't give him the gun. So but, that's excellent filmmaking then. Yeah. Because that's the question that the uh the director wants the audience to be asking. It's to, both. Yes. It's yeah. really both. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't want to give him is, the gun or shoot him. And the best and the, and and the real brilliance of that moment is that it happens at the end, so it doesn't matter 
what happened in the first hour, 50 minutes of this movie, how good or bad you think it may have been. That moment, that piece of filmmaking is awesome. And even the visuals of him, jacket down, a little disheveled, not, you know, a couple day old scruff, shirts undone, ties out, like, it's finally over, and then splat, splat on the glass. It's just awesome. And again, just the way that that scene I mean, is shot, you through can't... The, through the mirror, you see Jude Law sitting, kind of blurry. Yeah. You can't see it when he walks... Like, you you definitely don't see it when he's there. But again, rewatching yeah, it, you could... After he yeah. gets shot, you see exactly where he was. Yeah. But you could, knowing where he is, point him out and be like, shit, he is there the entire time. It's not like he snuck in or anything like that. Like No, he's been waiting. Yeah. He already knew about the house. So, Which terrible makes, decision. Yeah. That's not and true. he even says, he's like, we can't go there. They know He knows where we're going. So why then, after killing, I guess he thinks that... If he thinks that he got called him, off. It's going to get called and off. And I guess, or essentially, he, it may have, but now that's he's taken... Now this dude's doing... Now, what's his name? McGregor? McGuire? McGuire. McGuire. He's taken it into his own hands because now it's personal. Yep. Did he assume Jude Law's death? I don't think so. I hope not. I hope he's smarter than that. I think it... it but then again, it's 1930s. It's maimed in the face. I mean, I don't know how much treatment there is for that. You know what? Though the other thing is, if he he's also a hitman, he's probably got some money. Oh no, he can't assume his death because he gets the car gets shot at as he's as they're driving away. He knows the guy's alive. Oh yeah, he he got shot by him. He got shot by him yeah. on the way out. Yeah, as he's leaving. Correct. Okay. Yeah. I think I, I think up at the top, he was like, okay, this guy's probably down for the count. It's over now. But then he gets shot. And it's too late. He's not going to go back. If he was smart, he would have just done one more in the head up before he leaves. But yeah, you're probably right. He assumes the hit's called off. He yeah. thinks he ended it that night. Because when he talks to uh, Stanley Tucci, he's like, he, when he gives him the location, he's like, oh, "All you got to do now is just call everything off." Yep. Here you go. There's no reason for us to hide him from you anymore. He's in the Lexington in 1404 or some shit like that. So he assumes that the hitman was just a job thing, but McGuire kind of takes it personally. Because he's a serial killer. He's, he's a, a serial killer, and you kind of messed up his face. Yeah, well, Two reasons. Don't think it really changes... doesn't really change your job performance at all, though. Like, you can still shoot the dead yep. with a maimed face. I don't think it matters that much. I love Stanley Tucci's character in this. He's one of my favorites. Like, I'm happy we don't see Al Capone. We just, like, know of Al Capone. Yeah, we just know him through the underboss of Stanley Tucci. Yeah. Right. And, and they, and you know, they brilliantly drop the name. They're like, no, this is ultimately Chicago and Capone. He's taking Mr. Capone's money. Like, we know what this is. Taking Chicago's money. Yeah, and I do love all the bank heist scenes. They're so straightforward and simple. And I love and that. I miss how simple I like the were. first one the best, obviously, because... You know what? Hold on to that one. I like Really? The... Yeah, tell him I took it. I like the last one. Where he was like, I don't have their money. I have money, but I don't have their money, so I can't give it to you. They withdrew it all two days ago. That's how you know that, all right, they, it's catching up with them. Mm-hmm. Like, they're on to you. But that's Which, what he That's wanted. the idea. Yeah. Because yeah. he wants to trade their money back to them for where Connor is. Yeah, Connor's such a dick, but he was pretty good, too. I knew him for other things. And I can't put my finger on what they Same. were. I just finished your sentence. I just ocean, <laughs> We just oceaned 11. No, but he's good in the fact that, like, all right, I'll get you the files, but they're in here. Oh, I don't have the key. He knows Maguire. It's all set up. He knows yeah, Maguire's. He's, he's stolen. Maguire's across the street. Whoops, I dropped the keys. I got to start all over again. And then Tom Hanks like, all right, you have one more chance. Yeah. Great scene. 
Which is something <laughs> well, that definitely... Well, conveniently, I picked the right key this one time. <laughs> he, um... That moment, that gun to the head, you've got one more shot, is definitely something that's been used since this. Oh, yeah. Oh, probably prior to that, too. Uh, maybe. I just don't know that I've seen it prior to it. But I know in movies since 2002, I've seen that thing where the the guy at the bank is like, Oh, ugh, wrong combo. And then whoever's... Um, the town. They do it in the town. That's the one I'm thinking of specifically. Where the banker, the, the banker's like, oh, wrong combo. And then Ben Affleck's like, one more or I pull the trigger. Right. And then they, they, they open the bank. After the, I think one of the most quote-unquote iconic moments in this movie, I don't know that the movie, to a certain set of people, they think that this is like the big iconic moment in the movie. It's in the church basement, right? No, after the church. The, the, the scene after the church basement. Oh, when he mows down everybody? When he mows down everybody. I think it goes back to what I was saying during my opening thoughts is that the score and the soundtrack really make mediocre moments way more powerful. The fact that you don't hear any gunshots and you just hear that music. I like the silence. Yeah. Aspect of it. Yeah, you don't... Yeah, yeah I mean, I think there's music happening, but it's it's just that music playing. Yeah, it's silent first and the music builds it up. It builds yeah. it up. But you'd hear no gunshots until the moment that everybody's dead except Mr. Rooney. John Rooney? Yeah. Right? Yep. He decided it was John? It is John. Yeah. And then, does he say anything? Does John have the last words? I'm yes. glad it's you. It's the I'm glad it's you. <laughs> and then, like, the execution of the man that he supposedly loves for raising him. Really excessive. Holy shit. He, like, full fires fully automatic on him. <laughs> I expected, like, one shot. Nope. He was like, clip. Bah, 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 bah. <laughs> I was like, I, I think you got him. Yeah. I think it, I think that was just that shows his level of frustration, where I guess so he doesn't feel like he needs to do this, and this is the first moment because he's reluctant about it. Yeah, and it, it's his cathartic moment. It, it's him getting that moment where it's like this is <laughs> this is me getting back from my family's death because he doesn't. He really doesn't get that with Connor. With Connor, no. it's very straightforward, clean. Walks in the bathroom, pop, 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 walks away. His catharsis, his, I can't believe you, my family's gone, I'm going to take it out on you, it is misplaced in John Rooney. Yeah, because, I mean, Connor's awful, but his real obstacle in the movie has been John. Because yeah. John just won't give up his son. Right. John won't give up his son, and John's cock-blocking him from another job. Is it another job, or is it just a different position in well, the same he, company? I think he thinks it's a different... I, I think he thought it was going to be a different company. He thought it was going to be, but it's not. But it's not. They're I, all so inter, interwoven and connected. It's not as long as John's alive. Yes. Once John is gone, they don't care. I don't know. If you, if you think of like in like the Mad Max Fury Road like universe, like it's pretty much you're going from like the the bullet farmer to like Morton Joe. Like they're they rival crime bosses that work together. They, yeah. There's a truce on right now. So he's essentially going from one crime family to another crime family. But they're like, no, you might be good at what you do, but we value him more than you right yeah. now. So whatever he says goes. Yeah. Well, they can't they can't risk all out war. Yeah. Check back when that changes. Yeah. They can't they can't risk all out war. And ultimately, Capone is is lining all of these minor syndicates' pockets. As long as Capone is operating everybody that's under under the any of these different families are all gonna stay in line with what Mr. Capone wants. Mr. Capone wants 
Rooney around, and he wants this guy around, and that's that's that. So, I thought I know it fits the story well, but you have Daniel Craig. Connor is like underutilized. I mean, after he disappears completely after he murders the wife and kid, right? And he's in hiding. And I wanted that scene, I guess, to be more epic, as you were saying before. Like, I know, I guess John Rooney is like the bigger target, but. It shouldn't have been, though. Connor in the bathroom, bathtub, pop, that's it. And, like, we don't, like, for all we... If the door hadn't fucking swung, we wouldn't have known it was him. Well, I we could have assumed. We, we knew that's, it was him. That's a good shot, though. I mean... Yeah, that, it is a good yeah. shot. I mean, this film won one Academy Award and it's for cinematography. And it is a very well-shot movie. Yeah. I actually like how that's done. Because just, they know it's like, this was his end goal. They're at the end of the rope. Like, the dad's dead. They don't care any. I love that... He's walking in, the guy in the elevator just lets him in. The guy at the end of the hallway just points to the room, lets him pass, as he's holding a gun out in broad daylight in the middle of the hallway. He's like, he knows why he's here. Yeah. I don't disagree. It, it just seems... It seems like they, they, they could have theoretically done more. You know what? Even if they had End of the Departed It, spoilers, where he, where he just is like, you know, they I never... do. But he doesn't say anything. Yeah, and no, he's just in the. T- I, I kind of wanted that grovel. Oh no, I'm talking about in the, in the house with the end of the parted. That's what they do there. I think I wanted Daniel Craig to be like, you know, I had to pop. I wanted to. So you wanted. I wanted to start to say something, and then not be given the opportunity. I wanted a groveling scene. I wanted Daniel Craig to realize this is the end and I'm going to try to talk my way out of it, but I got no chance. I wanted that elevator scene. He's got zero leverage. Oh, okay. So you want the coming down. Just just fucking kill me. Just fucking kill me, man. I'm dead anyways. But we don't get that. Really, any one of the end of The Departed moments would have probably been better than... Any one of the three endings from The Departed. I said multiple endings, for sure. But I just, I don't think... Quietly in the tub is a fitting enough ending. I think it's fitting enough. I'm fine with it. Okay. Personally. Fair enough. How come Tom Hanks the only one with a Tommy gun? I feel because, like this because his name is Tom. It's a bigger advantage than everyone else has. I feel like <laughs> yeah, they're not nearly as um. It isn't. It isn't. He barely uses it. He uses it in the one scene. Two. I mean Two. the. When he's not on his own, he uses it in the one scene. When he's still the, the hitman for Rooney, he uses it in one scene. But H- Historically speaking, they're not nearly as prevalent as people make them out to be. But I feel like this they're movie gives him an advantage, and I feel like, I don't know, someone else should have had one. Like, that, that, that's, because I've seen this before, like, I was just thinking during the second half of the movie, is he a good hitman, or he just has a better gun than everybody else? A little calm, a little calm, big. The best hitmen are going to be the ones that get the Tommy guns. And he's his family's best hitman. I don't know that he's the best hitman. He's a little hesitant to act. He's this family's best hitman. I guess it's like saying the 76ers' best player. Yes. That's exactly what it's like. <laughs> they have good players now, though. They're good team. But they didn't for a while. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Like Allen Iverson. One good player on a really shitty team. Made a big difference. Hey, man, I got him to the finals. He did. He almost won that final. Carried that, carried that fucking team on his back. He's short, short little bag. <laughs> Six one, taller than all of us, but still a dwarf <laughs> compared to his teammates. Tom well, Hanks never like cracks a smile at all in this movie. No, not once. Maybe at the end when he's dying, 
He, yeah, he starts to crack a smile and then he gets shot. There's like a little bit of one when he's bonding with Michael Jr. When, like in the uh, old people's house? Where no, no, no. Oh, the, I can't uh, remember which scene it is. I think it's when they're like just eating at the bar. Which is, you know what, I'm not going to say it yet. Oh, is yes. it your favorite scene? Because it it's is. my favorite it's scene. My, <laughs> it's yeah. my favorite fucking scene in this yes. movie. Can I have $200? Yep. Can I have asked for more? Never know. You'll never know. That's favorite scene, fucking, absolutely, 100%. Because it's um, it's the shawarma scene at the end of Avengers, in the post credit scene of Avengers, where shit has just gone down and they're just, just like nothing ever fucking happened. And I love that moment in these types of movies, when they go back to real life and it's as if nothing fucking happened. For, for me, it's a similar scene, but I, I like the scene where he invites Michael to sit down when he's trying to do... When he's trying to figure out the... Uh, he's following the money, in a sense. Oh, yeah, he's yeah. trying to figure out where it goes. Because I'm like, this would have never happened if uh, the, the previous events have, hadn't unfolded. Yeah. If I'm still living in, at the house with my wife and the, both kids are alive and everything, like, yeah, this is... You're not in my office. Absolutely fucking not. And I love the closing line of the movie, too. He's my father? The blind leading up to that as well, where, like, if anyone asks me if my father was a good man, I'm just going to say he's my father. Because Dominic is not a good man, mm. right? He's good to Michael Jr., and he's good to his family. He's got but good intentions deep down, but no, he's not a good man. No. But you can't ever... You, well, on top of not talking shit on the dead, you shouldn't talk badly about the dead. You know, You also shouldn't talk badly about your family, right? Like, was he a good man? He's my dad. Yeah, that's you. Just leave it at that. You can take that for what it's worth. He, I'm not. He, what am I gonna tell you? That I didn't love my dad. No, of course I did. My dad did a lot of shit to make sure I, I lived, and that's what's crazy. It's not like he did it to protect his all of his family, and they slowly got picked off along the way. The only one left was the one that he wasn't. He didn't outwardly care for as much. That started all of the problems in the first place, and yet he still goes through that hell, that perdition, to make sure that he's safe. Another good scene, too. Again, I guess the movie is really the relationship between Tom Hanks and his son is when they're at the old couple's house and uh, when uh, Hanks is recovering from his injury and Michael's helping the old guy plow the fields, garden, and he's like... You can see, like, a sense of pride in his face, you know? I, I, I get a kick out of that. The old woman's like, he dotes on you. I guess you don't see it. He <laughs> <laughs> just wants to be like you. I don't want him to be like you. <laughs> it's that, you know what, it's kind of like the, um, the Iron Man, Spider-Man moment in Homecoming. I want to be like you. I wanted you to be better. Right. It's the same thing, man. Parental figures, fatherly figures, always want their sons to be better than they were. Absolutely. Well, they stole from this. Oh, probably. <laughs> and hundreds of other movies. Oh, yeah. yeah, pretty much every movie there where there's a son-father dynamic. Least favorite. Least favorite. Is yours the diner scene? No, I enjoyed the diner scene, okay. actually. My least my least favorite is actually the scene underneath the church. Because I feel like now the stakes of the movie are, are completely askew. Because I don't... It, I made a big point about it early on in the podcast. It's... It, if it, if it didn't matter anyways, then the deaths are needless. I Like, it, had he just been smart enough to realize that nobody was ever going to fucking say shit to me anyways, his wife and kids would still be alive and we wouldn't have a fucking movie. So my least favorite scene was what led into my opening line bet. So they're at the wake, which turns out to be a party. 
and very Irish. That's such a, it's such an Irish week. Yeah, uh, it's such a raging. That is su- that is such an Irish social. way to do it, man. And Paul Newman and Tom Hanks do their little piano duet, which I thought that's cool. It's like big. Tom yeah, Hanks. Right? <laughs> it's so I fucking thought of big too. <laughs> God damn it, sequel! I didn't, but I wish I had. Um, no, like Connor's like laughing, right? And Peter's like, why do you smile so much? What little kid asks that question? <laughs> In the thirties, I don't think any. No, absolutely. Because in the thirties, like kids you could hit, seen, not heard. You could hit kids that weren't your own, and it was okay. Yep. Like Connor could have smacked the Peter and Tom Hanks. Were like, what the hell? He was like, oh, he's talking back to me. Oh, okay. Kids also have no filter. Yeah, but I don't. I don't see that happening at all. Connor's still like kind of a scary dude. And Peter, why do you smile so much? <laughs> no one asked that question. I'm sorry. It's a very weird scene. It seemed f- like a forced line just to get in because it's also fucking hysterical. Well, it has that it, it has that existential dread. It, it's like laced in that existential dread that the movie kind of really, really wants you to feel. <laughs> like, none of this shit fucking matters. People are going to fucking die in this and it's not going to fucking matter anyways. I think it could have been done differently. Like, you could have had like... Less corny... Like a female guest going, why are you smiling so much? And he says the line, Peter overhears it or something. I know, I think that just works better. Peter's saying, why are you smiling so much to like a grown-ass adult? I just, it, doesn't, it didn't fit for me. The only th- the only reason I'll let that, let that moment slide, and I can definitely see your problem with it, the only reason I think you let it slide is because Uncle John, like they're so close to Uncle John, and they know that this is John's son, so this is Uncle Connor. They play dice essentially. together. Yeah, they're fucking playing craps in the basement, which was a fucking weird. It looked like a locker room. There's a locker room in their house. What is this? Big house, man. He's, yeah, he's pretty rich. Yeah, I guess so. He's got lots of rooms. He's got um, a room of requirement. Probably. <laughs> nice, Joe. Your least favorite? Go. My least favorite, honestly. I don't know how I feel about it now, but in the moment, I wrote down the voice narration to frame the movie. I didn't care for it, so it was really unnecessary. In the beginning, it confused me about what the hell story I was about to see. Because so I was like, is this a guy, kid who grew up with Mike, with Tom Hanks? Okay. I'm like, nope, it's his son. Okay, I get it. And it's just, I don't know, I felt it was kind of corny to close the movie. Like, we get it. <laughs> <laughs> it's low-hanging fruit. I mean, they tried to Shakespeare it, where they kind of tell you what's going to happen at the end of the movie, at the beginning of the movie. I guess so. It's got a very old-timey movie feel to it, and I feel like that's one of the things they would do in a movie that felt old, like Legend of Bagger Vance and other movies like that. I feel like that also had a narration at the end in other old golf movies. It's got it's got narration at the beginning that comes back and yeah. finishes the statement at the Tarantino'd end. Tarantino'd me. <laughs> oh, Fucking yes. kid. Honey dipped fried chicken. Oh, you this right. That's what I want. He never got it. That's the saddest part of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Just to point out how bad of an actor the kid is, like, did he buy. <laughs> I love that Corey says he's a good actor. I think he was. And you're just shitting all over good. this kid. No, I mean. I think he was pretty fucking good. Mini badass stealing from the store that you sell papers from, smoking a pipe, ooh, and then your dad's driving by and you fucking throw it in the snow and stomp on it. My life. Come on. Wanna be bad guy? Yeah, of course. His dad is like the ultimate authority, though. He's 
His he's, dad kills people for yeah, a living. He's the reverse he's Connor Rooney. Connor yeah, Rooney has no respect that, for his dad. Prior to that, he thinks his dad goes on missions for the president. Man, he doesn't know what the hell his dad does. I think he's just talking <laughs> his dad up to Peter. I think he wants to believe it. And then after that scene, he's like, I'm going to find out what dad does for real. <laughs> Could be too. Right, I'm good. Okay. In that case, what we're going to do now is reap the movie Road to Perdition using our Infinity Stones system. From 1 to 6, 1 is the low end, 6 is the high end. If you give a movie 6 stones, you can also give it a gauntlet for the highest possible score. And, yeah. All that's left now is to rate it. And one of you goes first. I think Corey went first last week. I did. Right? I think you did. Pretty sure I did. You know what? I'll go first this there week. There you go. Okay, good. Mixing it up. I'll mix it up. I like that, Joe. I have a prediction. Joe, I also want you to give your what have you been watching this first next week. Sure. Make that a formal request. Wow. You got it. You have to submit your request in writing. Oh. In blood. No. <laughs> it must be notarized. It's not right now. Shit. <laughs> I got the fucking notary now. So I think this movie is pretty good. It's successful at telling the, albeit kind of simple, story that it wants to tell. However, the, like I said, the first almost half of the movie are kind of boring. So could, that part could have been improved. I hear this could have stuck closer to the graphic novel. I can't speak from experience. I've never read it. So I think Four Stones is a good solid score for me to give this movie. I would watch it again, but I don't think I'd be excited to. Tom Hanks is good. Jude Law is good. Love Stanley Tucci in it. Paul Newman is also good. The kid I'm I'm on the fence about. The wife I have no idea because she's barely in it. Was that Jennifer Jason Leigh? Yes. She's a good actress in other things. I'm sure she is. She did not get a chance to... there's no female characters in this movie, as far as I'm concerned. They really don't even try to attempt that. Dude, there's literally just her and the one escort that Jude Law has. And the waitress. The waitress. And the mom's sister. <laughs> can, can we shut the blinds just for a little bit? <laughs> Sir, I can't, mister, I can't sleep. How long do you want me? <laughs> so Four Stones, I think, is appropriate. Works for me. Siegel, what do you got? I echo your sentiment. Four Stones is like the perfect score for this movie. I think we're going to be fours across the board. I don't know what Corey's thinking, but... uh Don't let that shape your decision, Corey. <laughs> it's fine. It's well acted. The story's solid. There's no major plot holes. and it's, 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 a, it's a good watch. Is this missing that certain aspect to make this special? To elevate it, yeah. Exactly. I mean, it's... It is boring at parts. It does drag at parts. You really have to be in the mood to watch this, I feel. I don't own it. I'm never going to buy it. I doubt it's going to be on cable, because I feel the rest of the population echoes our sentiment, where (laughs) I really don't want to watch this. This is a fine movie. We don't want to watch it. Um, Four Stones just seems appropriate. It's better than it is entertaining. Exactly. It's like a better movie than it is a fun watch. Mm Mm-hmm. Hey, Corey, what do you got? I think that this movie won the correct Oscar. Cinematography? I think as far as the way it's shot, it is a beautiful movie. I wish there was more to it, though, and I think that our entire conversation kind of leads leads us to believe that. perfect example is that moment when they get out of the car and he's like shaking his hands like, if I say we're going in to eat... We're going in to eat. You need to listen to me now. We're all we have. And he, like, kicks and screams, and he finally, like, says whatever is on his on his head, like, on his mind, and 
they should be better from there. Like, there, there's something about that moment that's missed. And I don't blame the kid actor for that, but I understand where you're coming from. So because of, of that, I feel like it, it's a fun movie to, to look at, but I don't need to pay attention to it. I agree. I think it's a four-stone movie. If it's on... I feel like it comes on at, like, Thanksgiving. I feel like it's one of those, like, on TBS that has, like, all of, like, the random movie marathons. Like, it's one of those ones that'll that's bound to pop up on one of those channels. Family ties. Road to perdition. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let anyone kill your no, son no matter dude. what. I mean, growing up, like, at Thanksgiving time, like, Home Alone was on a lot. And, like, Jumanji, well, I remember being on a I lot. I feel like I it, it's, it's, it's not TBS or TNT, but there's one of the more dramatic ones, AMC maybe, like one of the more serious movie stations, where, like, serious movies come on during those movie marathons, and I could see this being fed in. I am safe, plays The Godfather every, uh... Exactly. So it kind of fits. The Godfather's way better than this. Of course. Of course it is. Nobody's debating that. My point is, if it comes on, and it's just on, and I've got nothing else to watch, I'll leave it on in the background while I do whatever I'm doing, tinkering around with my phone. It's a four-stone movie. I'm sorry, Mike, I know you're gonna fucking yell at me on text later, but... My friend Mike loves this movie. Really? Yeah, he's... he's Don't worry, you have like a week until he yells at you. It's fine. That's cool. I don't know of anyone who loves this movie. Yeah, it's one of his favorites. That's that's pretty cool. It's, it's up there in one of his favorites. But you know what? He loves like Band of Brothers. He, first of all, he's a big fan of Tom Hanks. But just this kind of more epic cinematography is what he really goes for in movies and television shows. And if you think of Band of Brothers and this, they kind of have that same style where it's all of the big sweeping shots are kind of epic, and the the way that they use the music really like paints the scene more than the sounds of the actual scene itself. I've never seen Band of Brothers, but based on what I know of it, I can see it kind of looking similar to this movie. It really does. It's a similar it, time periods, right? I mean, yeah. Couple, technically... A decade apart. Decade, yeah. 10, 15 years apart. Those are our ratings for Road to Perdition. If you want to let us know what you thought of the movie Road to Perdition... Let us know what you think of the child actor in Road to Perdition. His name is Tyler Hocklin. Send that. Send your thoughts to us in an email at zthpodcast at gmail.com. Boom. Take a picture of your favorite child actor and send it to us on Twitter at zthpodcast or on Instagram, also at zthpodcast. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash zthpodcast, or search for us in Facebook. Zeros talking heroes, zeros and heroes end in E-S. And find us on iTunes, like one of our brethren did recently, and give us a five-star rating if you're enjoying the show. And if you want to leave a review with that rating, we'll read it on the air. And if that's too much work for you, just tell someone about the show. Be like, hey, Zero's Talking Heroes is a podcast I listen to. I think you might also like it. You should listen to it. So yeah, tell your friends. Or family. Or a guy on the street. Or the bus. The whole bus. The whole bus. Really, not the people on the bus. I just want you to scream at the grill of the bus. That should do it. That should be so effective. Probably. So thanks for tuning into this uh, collection of thoughts about Road to Perdition. <laughs> <laughs> Next time on Zero's Talking Heroes, we're going to be doing the movie The Shadow, and there's a good chance we should have a guest for that unless something falls through. So that'll be fun. Join us for that. If you've never seen The Shadow, it's an Alec Baldwin movie. I've never seen it, so you'll be in the same boat as me. Never seen it. I watched it a whole mess of times as a kid. I fucking loved it. And it's going to be so bad. <laughs> I have a very funny story about almost seeing The Shadow as a youngster. Should I save it for next week? Yes. Save it for next week. Okay. Yeah. This is a good tease. Keep them coming back for more. Get the people going. 
Siegel, you're such a tease. Thank you once again for joining us for our Road to Perdition episode. On behalf of everyone else, it's my job to let you know that every movie out there is someone's favorite movie, and I can almost guarantee you Road to Perdition is also. My buddy Mike. Corey's friend Mike. Road to Perdition is the favorite movie. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it? <laughs> it's Tuesday. You know what day. And it's Monday when this comes out. That's right. That's true. <laughs> but if you wait, if you wait a couple days, it could be hump day when you listen to it. Just download it. I don't care if you listen. <laughs> I would like you to listen. We put hard work into the sequel. It made, made people listen, goddammit. Alright, if you listen, at least download. Of course. <laughs> I think that goes hand in hand. Anywho, <laughs> thanks for joining us, and we will talk to you next time. 